Well, I guess everything, you know, shift happens, shift show. I mean, everything for the Democrats is collapsing. And here's the more, more fascinating part. If you just project out a little bit here, you're about to see a battle, a conflict, a an all-out war among Democrats fighting for this nomination. And if you, if you add the additional calculus that they're going to try and screw Bernie again, and they're going to try and, and rig it again, it is only going to get worse and worse. Anyway, glad you're with us. Uh, I don't even know where to begin. I'll start here. Two-thirds now of the American people actually believe Monmouth University poll released yesterday that they believe Donald Trump will definitely or probably be reelected in November. I don't want any of you to believe it. What do you mean? Because I'm Irish. I can't help it. I always expect something bad is right around the corner any second, any minute. Boom, it's going to hit me in the head. It's not that. You don't take votes for granted. There's only one poll in the end that ultimately matters, and that's in 265 days. And yes, you will have an opportunity, as I've been saying, as the ultimate jury to shock the world again. And it will be a shock to the system of all of those in the media mob and all of those swamp creatures and all of those deep state creatures with all of their insurance policies and all of their conspiracy theories and all of the hoaxes and all of the slander and, and the smearing and besmirchment and character assassination and destruction that haven't lifted a finger to serve anybody but themselves and their own blind ambition, uh, it's going to get ugly. And they're going to, the, uh, who knows what they're capable of? You know, the uh, October surprise. November surprise. Who knows? Maybe they may try and impeach him again between now and then. And remember this. I always like to, to play like, all right, it's the two-minute drill. You have no more timeouts. You're down by six. Not only do you need to get it into the end zone to tie, but to win, you've got to pick, kick the extra point. An analogy that Linda has no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, but that's the reality. And the reality is, look, it could be a landslide, right? Who knows? I would say don't count on it. I would say to look at this as though everything is on the line. Because the new Green Deal estimated at $94 trillion, Medicare for all, how did Obamacare work out for you? That's estimated at $52 trillion. By the way, both they're planning some version of it, each candidate. Uh, in 10 years, it will destroy the American economy. Bernie Sanders, and you're going to get your student loans paid for. Great. What about me? Do I get my money back? Because I paid $58.05. I took one student loan. Jamaica Savings Bank. Paid it off 10 years at a time, in the beginning especially, I didn't have $58.05 that I could just throw away. I didn't even have money to go to McDonald's, to be very frank with you at that point in my life. I had $200 in the old stone bank in Rhode Island. So, but to win, you got to win North Carolina. Okay, it's, you got to win it. 
to win, you got to win Florida. Swinging, hanging, dimpled, pimpled, chads, whatever. Florida can be tough sometimes. You got to, no Republican has ever gotten to the White House without winning the Buckeye State, Ohio. Then you've got Pennsylvania, hard state, winnable, but hard. Wisconsin, winnable, but hard. Uh, Michigan, winnable, but hard. I didn't even say, now you got to put Minnesota in play. President Trump got awfully close in Minnesota without even really thinking he had a shot there. New Hampshire, I saw this morning, uh, when we were leaving, I did uh, Fox and Friends in the morning, and I saw the governor, Governor Sununu, what a nice guy. You know, his father, John Sununu, is like in the top, top, top 0.0000001% of brilliant people. And he's just brilliant. Um, you've heard of Mensa, whatever you call that organization. There's another group that's above it. He's in the group above it, which very few people get into. Um, and I like him a lot. He's got a, anyway, the governor of, of uh, Governor Sununu, the current governor, said he, he believes that New Hampshire, Donald Trump can absolutely, and he thinks will win the, the live free or die granite state. I hope he does. But there's a lot. Then you've got to look at, okay, we got to get Arizona. Well, Martha McSally, well, we're going to put her on a few minutes today. We're going to check in with all these important races. If you want all of this crap to end, the best thing you can do, if you want Donald Trump to be, well, maybe have a couple of unencumbered years with witch hunts and conspiracy theories and never-ending hoaxes, et cetera, and deep state nefarious activities, then the best thing you can do is elect Republican candidates for the House and Senate. Arizona is going to be one of those important races. Um, how do you how do you spell disaster or or describe the unmitigated disaster that's Joe Biden right now? We'll get to that. There is a Gallup survey that has now come out. A majority of Americans surveyed said they would not vote for a socialist candidate for president. With the most opposition coming from Republican voters, only 45 percent. Yes, 53. fact that 45 percent of our fellow Americans have no problem with socialism scares the living hell out of me. It should be zero percent. Bernie, frankly, should be the only one. But it's almost it's pretty much the entire Democratic, radical, extreme socialist party now. This is not the Democratic Party of old. Joe Lieberman does not have a place in this new radical, extreme, socialist, democratic party. Now, some other good news uh, as it relates to the election, um, which I think is good. The president, just like in Iowa, had huge turnout last night. The mob and the media is not talking about it. As a matter of fact, it was record breaking. He didn't have a contested primary serious challenger in New Hampshire, but he turned out enough voters to more than double former President Barack Obama's 2012 re-election vote total in primary in that state, indicating what? Voter enthusiasm. And that the Republicans are all in. And I would argue a lot of this is the creation of a, of, of a Democratic Party that's done nothing except Character assassination. They've done nothing to make us more safe, secure, create one job, create prosperity. All they've done is attack the president and undermine the president every step of the way. But he, he now doubled Obama's 2012 vote total in New Hampshire. 
That would indicate a fired-up base in a, in a very big and massive way. Um, we'll get to Bloomberg as we unfold. Uh, hang on, the president now speaking about the Roger Stone sentence. Listen, listen in. How many people were hurt, their lives were destroyed, and nothing happened with all the people that did it and launched a scam. Where's Comey? Why, where is Comey? What's happening to McCabe? What's happening to Lisa and uh, Peter Strzok and Lisa Page? What's happening with them? It was a whole setup. It was a disgrace for our country, and everyone knows it, too. Everyone, including NBC, which gives a lot of fake news. The fact is that Roger Stone was treated horribly, and so were many other people. Their lives were destroyed. And it turns out, you look at the Pfizer warrants and what just happened with Pfizer, where they found out it was fixed, that it was a dirty, rotten deal. So when you look at that and you see what happened to Roger Stone, but think of it, a man leaks classified information, highly classified. They give him two months. Roger Stone for doing, nobody even knows what he did. In fact, they said he intimidated somebody. That person said he had no idea he was going to jail for that. That person didn't want to press charges. They put him in for nine years. It's a disgrace. And frankly, they ought to apologize to a lot of the people whose lives they've ruined. All right, next question. Next question, please. Go ahead. Yeah, please. Wait, wait, wait. What? Are you considering a pardon? I don't want to say that yet, but I tell you what, people were hurt viciously and badly by these corrupt people. And I want to thank, if you look at what happened, I want to thank the Justice Department for seeing this, this horrible thing. And I didn't speak to him, by the way, just so you understand. They saw the horribleness of a nine-year sentence for doing nothing. You have murderers and drug addicts. They don't get nine years. Nine years for doing something that nobody even can define what he did. Somebody said he put out a tweet. And the tweet, you based it on that. We have killers, we have murderers all over the place, nothing happens. And then they put a man in jail and destroy his life, his family, his wife, his children. Nine years in jail, it's a disgrace. In the meantime, Comey walks around making book deals, the people that launched the scam investigation, and what they did is a disgrace. And hopefully it'll be treated fairly, everything else will be treated fairly. Are you speaking to the Attorney General? Go ahead, please. Yes. de Ecuador. Los indicadores macroeconómicos de los Estados Unidos están Excelente, lo felicito, señor presidente. Pero los indicadores macroeconómicos. All right, the president with the president of Ecuador. Now, let me tell you something. Comey was referred for lack of candor, lying. Why hasn't he been indicted? Why hasn't McCabe been indicted? Struck in page, abuse of power, corruption. How did Hillary get away with destroying evidence, subpoenaed emails, up, deleted? Bleach bit, hammers, SIM cards removed, Espionage Act. How is it that the dirty dossier, Russian interference, the mob and the media, Democrats could care less? It says verified on the top of the FISA applications. The congenital liar shift light about that. Because he, Devin Nunes told the American people the truth. And, and the, they had to send frogmen and, and surround the guy's house and put guns. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't even own a gun, and they would have been able to find that out. All he had to say is report to this office at 9 o'clock, and the lawyer would have brought him in. 
or Manafort's wife having a gun, you know, pre-dawn raid with, oh, CNN cameras just, just happened to be there at the time of the pre-dawn raid. Guns in his wife's face. How is it that there, this double standard in our justice system exists? And the DOJ overruling the, the Mueller's prosecutors, you don't think this is, this is grossly disproportionate? That there's a du- double standard in our justice system? You don't think, you, you, is there proportionality here? Or do we have a dual justice system? There was a referral for lying for Comey, McCabe, and a bunch of them. We know there was premeditated fraud committed on the FISA court. Everything we said was true. Everything the mob and the media said was not. Now, Lindsey Graham is saying, yep, Comey, McCabe, Yates, Rod Rosenstein. We, if we don't fix this, it's going to happen again. The president is right. And I'll tell you one other thing. Devin Nunes warning. There was more treachery here. These four guys that left, there is, there is a five-alarm fire going in on behind the scenes at the DOJ. I could tell you that. These guys resigning, my gut tells me, wait for prosecutorial abuse to come out. Prose- prosecutorial misconduct. Uh, d- d- you talk about um, overreach or lack of discretion. There's more coming. I'm telling you, it's all going to come out. House Republicans rightly pointing out that the congenital liar, the corrupt, compromised Adam Schiff is refusing to turn over FISA information. Of course he is. Just like he's refusing to turn over a lot of things. So House Republicans rightly boycotted it. We were right the whole time and vindicated by the report of the inspector general. Let's see what the Durham report said. I, they weren't going to be happy unless Paul Manafort, but I guess if he cheated on his taxes and lied on loan applications. Guys, it's dumb. Don't do that. But they want him to die in jail. At some point, you know, we don't even treat. Look at what they do in New York and California. Oh, no bail. You get arrested on murder, rape. Oh, you're free in an hour. Look what happened in the case. Rocky was mentioned at the State of the Union address. We talked to his brother. This is this is a travesty. This deep state effort to spy on a president. Well, first candidate, then president. And transition team deep into the presidency, denying Carter Page's civil rights, liberties, outsourcing, spying. We better get to the bottom of it. We'll lose our country. Shred our the foundation of our laws is our Constitution. We have to have equal justice, equal application of our laws. I'm glad the president showed. You know what that's called? That's called righteous indignation about injustice. You know, I watched the um, I watched the Roger Stone case. I watched the Manafort case. I could not believe the judge wouldn't even let this guy have his freedom of speech in this case. What is the offense? Okay, if you cheat on your taxes and you lie on loan applications, you're going to go get probably some time. But the left isn't happy unless they can put these people away to die. It's unbelievable. If there's equal justice and equal application of our laws and we don't have a dual justice system, buckle up for when the Durham Bar Report comes in. More on New Hampshire next. All right, 25 till the top of the hour. Thank you, Scott Shannon. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. There's no, look, there's no positive spin. 
I thought it was horrific. Uh, spoke with the governor of New Hampshire this morning. I mean, Joe Biden, oh, I'm going to have a bad night. I'm out of here. Uh, oh, and I'll do a, like a FaceTime or Skype or whatever with my supporters because I'm getting I'm, I, I can't I'm canceling my party and picking up my toys and going home. That's how you thank the people that did work hard for you. Uh, not a good look on top of everything else. Said a lot of dumb things. Uh, one interesting note. Um, I was in the airport today. Guess who I ran into? Mayor Pete. Introduced myself. I said, Mr., you know, Mayor Sean Hannity, how are you? I'd like to invite you on the show. Uh, I'll, this is what I can promise you. I'm going to be fair, but I'm going to be tough. Would you consider? Number one show, by the way, thanks to all of you, the number one show on cable. Um, well, have you spoken to so-and-so at the campaign? And I go, no, I have no idea who so-and-so is. Uh, would you consider it? Yeah, I'll consider it. Now, my experience tells me there's no way in hell he's going to come on. And I said, you know, you come on the number one show on cable and you come up against somebody that obviously has disagreements with you. I said, you know what? How does that make you look bad? That, to me, is an opportunity if you're a politician and you're trying to reach voters. I said it just straight like that. Sensei was with me. And we walk away and he goes, you just crack me up. That's what he that, that was his line. I go, what do you mean? He goes, it's just the whole thing. Sort of like when we were at the Biden campaign rally and a lot of people hating me. And we ended up, you know, we ended up OK. Um, morning consult today shows Bernie Sanders is leading the primary field in Super Tuesday states. According to this uh, new survey out, the poll shows that not only the lead, he's leading in the Democratic field on a national scale, uh, but experiencing a seven-point advantage over his closest competitor. That includes Alabama. Remember, you have Nevada, then South Carolina. I think they're both on Saturdays, if I'm not mistaken. Then you've got, again, Alabama, Arkansas, California, Colorado, Maine, Massachusetts, Minnesota, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, Vermont, and Virginia. Anyway, the Vermont Socialist uh, has 27% support. Biden at 20. I don't think that's going to hold, but we'll see. Bloomberg at 16. Bloomberg's been now, Bloomberg's like a slick marketing campaign. That's it. People say, oh, I think he can win, and Joe's collapsing. Let me go for Bloomberg. They know nothing about him except... Oh, a campaign ad that says he hates guns. That's pretty much hates Donald Trump. So uh, then you got Elizabeth Warren. She had an awful. I mean, this is a neighboring state. She looks like she's done. Remember, she was surging for a while. And Klobuchar had a pretty strong finish. She got to, you know, how she's going to do elsewhere. I don't know. They were all radical extreme socialists. It's just a, a fact. Anyway, Buttigieg has 22 delegates after Iowa, New Hampshire, and Bernie has 21 you know, sometimes it's winner take all. Sometimes it's proportionate distribution of, of delegates, et cetera. Look, there's no other way to put this is the Biden campaign now is on life support. Daily Beast had an article. Oh, we're all scared. This is horrendous. We're all scared. An unnamed Biden advisor telling Politico, I think we're going to make it to South Carolina. I know we're supposed to say that we're going to, you know, we're going to win. But I just don't know. 
I don't think fleeing like they did yesterday was smart. Um, Biden limps away from New Hampshire, cancels his, quote, victory party and uh, and gets out of there. Quentin James, executive director of the collective, which is a political this is in the Politico too, a collective committee that backs African-American candidates, quote, black voters are starting to leave him now. A big reason lots of African-American voters were with Biden is they thought he was the best person to beat Trump. And they thought one reason for that is he had the support of white voters. And anyway, it goes on from there. A pro-Biden super PAC is warning of a doomsday scenario for Democrats if, in fact, they don't pick quid pro quo Joe. Bernie Sanders, no doubt, is the front runner. And we know how radical he is, but so is the entire Democratic Party. And by math, now it seems Bernie is the guy that is leading in every scenario. You know, California has a massive delegate trove as part of Super Tuesday. Okay, well, whoever winds up as the survivor against Sanders could be in a deep delegate hole by the time they start thinning the field, which is happening. Uh, There was an interesting piece on Axios, how Bernie's Super Tuesday vote share is, you know, now ahead of the second candidate. Uh, Their poll has a 30-25. The morning consult has him up by seven. He would net 96 more delegates than the next highest performing candidate. At that point, it would be possible but difficult to overtake Sanders. Now, again, they're trying to change the rules. They're changing the rules to let Bloomberg now into these debates. Now they're changing the it looks like they're trying to get the super delegates back on the first ballot. Or if Bernie has a good Super Tuesday and he's, you know, his vote share is 10 points ahead of the next candidate, say it was 30, 20 percent. Bernie would net 198 delegates more than the next highest performing candidate. And at that point, overtaking Sanders would be pretty much unlikely. Or if Bernie you know, gets a vote share of 15 points ahead, it's over. He'd net 328 delegates more than the next highest performing candidate. The race would all be all the way over. I agree with that analysis. Uh, what does Elizabeth Warren do at this point? I don't know. Donald Trump saying, signaling she will drop out after her bad night in New Hampshire. Well, she's, you know, some of the biggest counties that decide New Hampshire are in the southern part of the state that border Massachusetts. That's not good for her. So we'll see. Um, We have a newly this newly released audio that we've been telling you about. Bloomberg is not good. And President Trump's turnout again is massive, setting a new record. Then Joe Biden has more gaffes today. You can't even make this stuff up. Thank you. It is important that Iowa and Nevada have spoken. But look. We need to hear from Nevada and South Carolina and Super Tuesday states and beyond. They've already spoken, but we need to hear from them again. You know, you just can't make that part up. So we can chip in and support. Iowa and Nevada have spoken, but we got to hear from Nevada. I'm like, oh, boy. And then it didn't end there. As he say, he actually claimed Barack Obama had was an incumbent when he won in 2008. That. Not that wasn't true either. Everything is going to change. Quote, once black and brown voters have a chance to vote, he said. OK, Buddha judge, according to looks like he's the favorite over there at MSDNC, the conspiracy channel. If you go back and read the transcript of his speech, it's like he typed it out and he has a comma. Everything was perfect. 
because he speaks in perfect sentences. It's impressive. Amazing human being. Because they can't stand Bernie. They're afraid Bernie can't win. <laughs> they're, trying to, they're trying to rig it again. I can tell you, right? Well, you watch. You got the, the establishment over fake news CNN after Bernie Sanders was declared the winner. Uh, you got Van Jones, you know, who's been warning that African-American support for Trump is real, along with a few other people that are actually reading real polls. And he said, listen, he's on track. It's true. He's got he he can get black support. He's winning Latino support right now. He's got young support. He's got an army of donors who are willing to. And he and Bloomberg have inexhaustible resources because he can get. And this guy is doing it. And I remember when Trump was on the march and everyone kept saying, yeah, OK, so he won this time. But of course, he's going to be stopped. Let's figure out what uh, Marco Rubio is going to do or somebody else is going to do. This guy's on the march anyway. So that's part of it. Now they have the even bigger problem, and that is Michael Bloomberg. Great slick marketing campaign has gotten. OK, well, Joe Biden's failing. He's supposed to be the next moderate. Well, OK, well, he's now saying. Police stop white people too much. Minorities too little. By the way, this has nothing to do with stop and frisk. Listen to the wording of the things he's saying. And he said that, yeah, stop and frisk targeted minority kids who cops must pay attention to the must throw up against the wall. Wow. Imagine Donald Trump said that. And then he said, You know, murderers, murder victims, he writes, he says, they fit one M.O. You can just take a description, Xerox the description, pass it out to all cops. They are male minorities, 16 to 25. Wow. Uh, Okay. You talk about racial profiling. Very different from going into neighborhoods where crime rates are higher or drug dealing is at a, a higher area. Then he said, yeah, we're arresting kids for marijuana that are, his words, again, words matter, all minorities, all. And then he said, that's true. All minority, not anybody else, just minorities. Why? His answer, because we put all, not some, all the cops in minority neighborhoods. All of them? What? There aren't kids of, you know, Caucasian Americans, white Americans that that commit crimes. I can live in New York. A lot of people, every race, color, creed, background commit crimes. What is this? Then he's heard saying is uh, because that is where all the crime is. All of it. Wow. That's pretty shocking to me. And then he said, uh, you know, that's when he said one one other thing. Uh, Because that's where all the crime is. Okay, good luck with that, I guess. Now, here's something interesting. Biden's support among African-Americans collapsing. How, if, if you look at coalitions in elections, coalitions matter. Is the African-American support for the Democratic candidate, that, that matters a lot, I can tell you. And Donald Trump's up by dramatic percentages because of record low unemployment for minorities. Every demographic group. And he's the one that got done criminal justice reform. Wasn't anybody else. Now we have uh, Bernie Sanders has weighed in on this Bloomberg fiasco, and he's saying that he should end his presidential bid. Co-chair for Bernie's campaign is calling on Bloomberg to drop out after 
these audios have surfaced. His co-chair is Nina Turner telling Axios, well, what, what has been exposed is the true nature of Mayor Bloomberg. So one apology, just because you're running for president doesn't erase the damage that you have done. He should not be running now that he, uh, this audio has come up. He should drop out of the race. Well, I'm sure if it was a Republican, they would demand it. So I don't think that's over the top. But I got to tell you, it is pretty unbelievable to me. He hasn't even answered to the question. You got a Biden pack warning uh, Democrats Bernie versus Bloomberg is a doomsday scenario. You got Senators Grassley and Johnson, by the way, moving ahead with a Biden investigation. Hunter Biden's daughter blasted David Axelrod as a jerk with a microphone. Van Jones says the candidates' choices have left the Democratic voters sad and depressed. And that's the news from Lake Wobegon. By the way, Delane is in Arizona. Delane, how are you? Glad you called. Linda says, I must talk to you. Doing great, Sean. What's going on? So, listen, uh, uh, I don't know where to start, but I'm just going to, if you'll indulge me for one second, let's go back in time just a little bit, right? Uh, Hunter Biden, he did that little interview on, uh, you know, on the... You know, the mainstream networks. ABC. And, yeah. And and uh, I think everybody glossed over something that he said. He said, you know, I had uh, just as much experience as anybody else that was on that board, if not more. Well, okay. Uh, hello. I, I think that was like a shout-out to all the other, uh, you know, people that were involved with this uh, corrupt scheme that were on the board. You know, so, uh, which brings in Mitt Romney. Um, and, and some other people, and also with what, uh, you know, hasn't been talked about yet, and I, I'm not doing any predictions, but Hunter Biden was also on some other boards, wasn't he? He was also in some other dealings, wasn't he? That was his shout-out to everybody saying, I go down, you're going down too. Here's and my so you take. Better, you, better, you better come to my rescue and, you know, get rid of Trump. You know, you know what I mean? Like, that, that was what I heard out of that. Well, I think he said one other thing. Call Barack. He's going to back up what I say. Just like I want to know what Barack Obama knew because Page and Strzok were saying the White House wants to be informed every step of the way. By the way, uh, you raise a good point. I'd like to know the answer to that question. Who was on the board? Who, what company pays somebody millions of dollars when you have zero experience? It's that, it's, it's that simple. All right, a lot to get to today. Now, uh, we'll go over the polls. What does it mean uh, for Biden, for Bernie, for Bloomberg, uh, and for a general election in just 265 short days? Uh, We'll debate the issue of the economy coming up. We'll do a quick hit with Martha McSally. I know a lot of you have been wanting to weigh in. We're leaving time for calls today. Promise uh, coming up, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program Best election coverage, and we're going to clean the swamp. The president was on fire today. We'll have full coverage tonight on Hannity at 9, too. The people of Nevada are watching, and uh, I want to make it clear we praise their diversity as a state, and I'm going to be out there seeing them very soon. Tonight, though, I, we just heard from the first two of 50 states, two of them, not all the nation, not half the nation, not a quarter of the nation, not 10 percent, two, two. Now, where I come from, that's the opening bell, not the closing bell. And uh, the fight to end Donald Trump's presidency is just beginning. 
just beginning. Thank you. It is important that Iowa and Nevada have spoken, but look, we need to hear from Nevada and South Carolina and Super Tuesday states and beyond. And look, we're moving in an especially important phase because up till now, we haven't heard from the most committed constituency of the Democratic Party, the African-American community. Are, are you, you concerned about the, the message tonight? that you're sending to New Hampshire by going no, to South Carolina? No, I'm not. Carolina? Not at all. Not at all. They know we've worked our hard here. We're continuing. We're yeah. going to go all the way to New Hampshire. Yeah. And this is it. I'm not concerned about it at all. It seems like you're giving up on New Hampshire. I'm not giving up on New Hampshire. Don't poke that in my face, okay, buddy? That's all right. Good. So we can chip in and support those who listen to this. Chip in and support our campaign. Text Joe 23. Excuse me. I got to get this right. Joe, to 30330. So how do you explain the performance in Iowa, and why should the voters believe that you can win the national election? It's a good question. Number one, Iowa's a Democratic caucus. You ever been to a caucus? No, you haven't. You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. You said you were, but you're, you're, now you got to be honest. I'm going to be honest with you. It was a little bit confusing in Iowa. You're a lying dog face pony soldier. And by the way, I messed it up again. Joe 30330. I'll tell you, I've never seen anything like this. Don't put your thing in my face. I didn't go vote for somebody else. And uh, you're just wrong. You can't ask me those questions about my withholding a billion taxpayer dollars. How dare you? A fifth place finish. Oh, well, nobody's voted yet. Okay. Uh, if that's if that's how you want to spin that, it is an unmitigated disaster. Anyway, it's time. I want to look here at now we've had a disaster in terms of the Iowa caucus. Now we've had an unmitigated disaster for Joe in New Hampshire. Now he's, you know, acting so bizarre, strange, weird. I, I, I've never seen anything like this. The things that he's saying to potential voters for him. Uh, and now it looks like Bernie Sanders is the front runner. Buddha Judge a close second. Amy Klobuchar had a pretty good performance the other night. And I don't see anyone that's going to beat Donald Trump. And probably the person that had the worst day yesterday of anybody is uh, Michael Bloomberg. With all the comments that we have gone into great specificity and details on. Uh, here to sort through all of this, we bring in our pollsters, Matt Towery, a syndicated columnist, pollster for many, many years. He was even there polling for the contract with America in 94. Scott Rasmussen is uh, with us. And uh, guys, welcome. Uh, he's also, by the way, the pollster and editor at large at Ballopedia, author of The Sun is Still Rising. Politics has failed but america will not uh welcome back both of you scott let me start with you um one thing that i'm noticing is a trend and i know your poll has picked up on it dramatic increases no longer outliers because i can name 10 of them polls showing great support for the president with african americans and hispanic americans uh we're talking about triple or higher the number of African-Americans and Hispanic-Americans that voted for him in 2016. How real is that? 
Well, I think the notion that uh, the president will pick up a little bit more support this year than he did in 2016 among uh, African-American and Latino communities is very credible. You saw he made a, a big pitch in the State of the Union address. Uh, he's made a serious effort in digital media outreach. Um, and it's worth noting that in 2016, the president picked up 13 percent of black males. That was up from 5 percent uh, that Mitt Romney did uh, four years earlier. So there's, you know, there is a significant movement. But I think you've got to keep it in context. The president is not going to win. Uh, he might get in the double digits among the minority population, among the African-American population. Uh, but the fact that he's making the effort. Uh, is very significant to the long-term health of the Republican Party. Well, I'd say results have to mean a lot here, Matt Towery, and he's got, obviously, the opportunity zones. Criminal justice reform is huge. Uh, and then you've got record after record, record low unemployment for African Americans, Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans, women in the workplace, youth unemployment, African American youth unemployment. Uh, add to that the comments of, say, Michael Bloomberg, who... Uh, it's shocking and stunning. And even, you know, how Bernie Sanders is saying he needs to get out of the race completely over this. Uh, How does this play out? Well, you know, Sean, winning a a general election, I've always said, is more about turning out your vote than it is winning the vote. Nowadays, people are so, quote, polarized, they're decided that you really have a very small undecided by the time you get to the general election. So the big issue is when you look at the African-American vote, to Scott's point, I believe the president will pick up several points. And even one, two, three points is a substantial difference when you get to some of these critical swing states, particularly North Carolina, Georgia, other states like that. We're we're seeing numbers in the 30s and 20s. I I, I agree. I agree. And we don't know where that will land. But but under Scott's premise that at least he gets he kicks up maybe to the 10 percent level, that would be phenomenal in and of itself. But I'll tell you where it's really going to show, and that is, as I said, elections are about turnout. And I don't believe the African-American community is going to be enthused about turning out in this election, not with the candidates that you have on the Democratic side right now. You don't have a Barack Obama. You you don't even have a Hillary Clinton to excite them. And and right now I see two things. I see not a lot of excitement in in several demographics that are necessary for a Democratic win. It's not just African-Americans, but others. But I also see the possibility the president can slice into that demographic. And we combine those two together in these swing states. I think Donald Trump could have a huge victory. We've talked about this before, a 72, 1972-like Nixon-McGovern type of victory in the fall. And I know never predict it, but we'll say it's highly possible. Well, I mean, and I, and I think results matter. I think the president has had put in place policy policies, thankfully, that are impacting positively every demographic in America. I mean, you look, most people don't really realize and understand that each party, the Republican Party, the Democratic Party, they're both coalition parties. A big part of the Democratic base is the African-American community. You know, remember in 2016, what was the president saying, Scott Rasmussen? Well, what have you got to lose? Because the policies of Biden, Obama didn't particularly help minority communities. As a matter of fact, I would argue they were disproportionately negatively impacted here. Uh, Sure. I I think uh, the the sense in 2016 for a lot of people who had there were doubts about uh, Donald Trump as a nominee, but a lot of people looked at the opposing candidate and said, you know, he may be the lesser of two evils. And going back to what Matt said, I think that's a challenge for the Democrats uh, this time around. 
when you look at the nominees or the people who are seriously contesting the nomination. Uh, you dissed uh, a moment ago Michael Bloomberg, but I think after yesterday's result in New Hampshire, he is one of the two men with the biggest smiles on his face this morning. The other, of course, is President Trump. But Michael Bloomberg is now seeing this race unfold the way that he wants. Bernie Sanders is saying he should get out for a simple reason. Bloomberg is the biggest threat to the Sanders campaign. And, you know, we're if you can just imagine uh, a Sanders, a Bloomberg finals in the Democratic primary, that's a, a recipe for a partisan civil war. And again, the winner there is Donald Trump, because no matter who okay, comes out so on top, it's partisan. You, you agree a big part of the the voter coalition, if you will, of the Democratic Party or African-Americans. All right. So you say Bloomberg's the big winner. But we now have uh, Bloomberg in his own words. And I don't even think it's about the issue of stop and frisk. But he's on tape saying oh. that uh, I'll give you the list. That police stop white people too much and minorities too little. He said that they are targeting minority kids whom cops must throw up against the wall. That's what he said. I'm using his exact words here. Um, And then he's talking about, well, you know, the murder victims, murderers, they just fit one M.O., and he says, you can just take a description, Xerox it, pass it out to all the cops. They're all male minorities, 16 to 25. He said that they are arresting kids for marijuana that are all minorities. Why, he says, because, well, we put all, not some, all the cops in the minority neighborhoods. And he said, because that's where all, not some, all the crime is. That's just not true. And if I'm I, if I'm African American, I'm not thinking that he's looking out. I mean, that's a that, you talk about that's that racial profiling yeah, at a just, level I've never you, heard. Yeah, and what you've just described is again the central problem the Democrats will have in the turnout and the enthusiasm. If Michael Bloomberg is the nominee and the president is reaching out to the African American and Latino community, those words are going to have a big impact in terms of both affecting turnout and who they vote for. On the other hand, if Bernie Sanders becomes the party's nominee, that's going to have a big impact in turning off other members of the Democratic coalition. Uh, this divide between these wings of the Democratic Party right now is likely to get a lot uglier uh, before a nominee is determined. Yeah. What's your take on the Bloomberg comments and revelations in these tapes? I mean, if he would have said, well, we're putting our our resources where the majority of crime or violence is taking place, et cetera. I mean, let's be, you know, breaking laws, I would argue, is more socioeconomic than anything else, Matt Towery. It has, you know, but he's saying all cops, all minorities. Uh, I, I was shocked by these statements. And Bernie Sanders is saying, hey, this has to end. This presidential bid should be over. What's your take? Well, B- Bloomberg has too much money to to <laughs> get out of this thing just over this issue. But if he were to become, if it were to boil down to a Bloomberg-Sanders battle, which got alluded to potentially happening, I think that you would then see a lot of Sanders ads focus on these very statements. And I think they would be quite detrimental to uh, Bloomberg because he needs to pick up uh, sort of the, the occupied areas that, that, uh, and demographics that Biden would be seeding when he gets out of the race, which he inevitably will. So that's going to be problematic for Bloomberg. It's, it's, it's great to have tons of money. But if you've got an issue like that that someone can hit you over the head with, uh, you might never get the traction to turn that money into delegates. He could be the John Conley, uh, if you recall, in 19. I mean, African-Americans going to listen to these comments and feel good about going out and supporting no, Michael Bloomberg? No, that, no. no they're, they're not. But, but I think the I think the ads 
when they're turned into ads, it's really going to hurt. Oh, will Donald God. Trump get credit for all the jobs created for every demographic group and every record that he's broken? And is he going to get credit for criminal justice reform, ending you know, disparate Sean, sentencing? Scott, yeah. No, when you say that, he's already getting credit. We've seen in recent weeks, Gallup is saying that people's perceptions of the economy is the strongest it's been in two decades. Their perceptions with overall satisfaction of life in America is the highest it's been for 15 years. And it's not a, co- a coincidence that the president's job approval rating is moving up to its highest levels as well. So, look, we live in a partisan world. If Republicans said the sky is blue, Democrats would say it's not. He's never going to get overwhelming support. Um from partisan Democrats. But is he going to get credit among potential swing voters? Absolutely. All right. The president's turnout in New Hampshire. This is pretty interesting. Uh, He didn't have a contested primary or serious challenger, but he still turned out enough voters to more than double uh, former President Barack Obama's 2012 vote total in the state, indicating that, well, it seems to be an energized base for the president. Uh, Should we read anything into that? Matt Towery. Yeah, I think we should. I, I have to say, you know, I've been around a long time with these campaigns. I've never seen one run with the degree of focus that the Trump campaign has so early into the process. And it's a tremendous, tremendous uh, credit to not only the candidate, obviously, but to the people who are running the campaign. Mm-hmm. This is a tr- there is a lot of excitement that Donald Trump is, is creating, partly from the, from the very things the campaign does holding these right. rallies, running the ads that they run. I think he's going to have a tremendous turnout, and it's going to make a big difference in November. What do you read into it in the 20 seconds we have? Last word, Scott Rasmussen. I think it matters a lot because what we're seeing is a growing enthusiasm for President Trump. It is not just a lesser than two evils the way it was for many people four years ago. It's we've seen it, we like it, and We like the president better than the alternatives that we're looking at on the Democratic side. Turnout matters. And right now, the president has the predictions. Who gets the Democratic nomination? Who wins the election? Scott, you go first. Bernie Sanders, Donald Trump. Who wins? Oh, gosh. Who, Matt, I would say, who wins, Scott? <laughs> I, I can, I, I can easily right, tell you, Matt, this. who's be Donald Trump, Donald Trump versus uh, I think it's going to be Bloomberg. And who wins? Uh, Trump. We're going to leave it there. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Uh, we'll check in an important Senate race uh, out in Arizona. Uh, Martha McSally will check in. We'll get to your calls. I know a lot of you have a lot of uh, reaction to last night and the events in New Hampshire. Hannity tonight at 9. 265 days till you get to shock the world again. Will you do it? The ultimate jury will continue. I was diagnosed with ALS in August of 2018. I was 28, and they found a large mass right in the center of my brain. I was prescribed painkillers, which ultimately led to heroin. On my third deployment, I was assaulted by my supervisor. Instead of uh, wallowing in the diagnosis and saying, why me? I immediately turned it into a positive and said, okay, what can I do to make a difference? That's why I fight and advocate. My surgery was very successful. I got a second chance. And so I felt very compelled to do something with the days that I was given. I wanted to give back. I'm a compliance supervisor for uh, a, a substance abuse treatment facility in Arizona. It's where I got clean and sober. I'm able to use my past trying to change their lives. 
I work as a veteran care coordinator. We do a lot of using our stories and what we've gone through and our recovery to help other veterans. I'm inspired every day by the incredible stories of resilience. Oftentimes the very things that almost crush us are the things that can help strengthen us and propel us. Losing my dad when I was 12, surviving sexual assault, I was able to discover that I had strength that I didn't realize I had. I wasn't going to let myself or others be held back or held down again. Martha is such an inspiration to me because she has come through her own challenges. She uses that as fuel to fight and to serve. She's fighting for what's right when it comes to pre-existing conditions. She's used her history, her surviving sexual assault, and used it in a way to where she can help other people and have a big voice for survivors of sexual assault. All right, that's a new ad. It goes on uh, Martha McSally. Now, we are going to, you know, focus regularly, not spend a lot of time on it, on the key Senate races. This is one of the most important Senate races in the country. Now, I keep saying to everybody, this is in Arizona, Martha McSally on the ballot. Uh, if, if you want to end this never-ending witch hunt, the conspiracy theories and the hoaxes and the investigations, and you want to like focus on serving the American people, one of the best things you can do if you like President Trump, if you like his record, his promises made, kept, if you like the state of the economy, if you like it that Baghdadi is dead, Soleimani is dead, Baghdadi's associates are dead, and the caliphate is destroyed in Syria, well, there's one way you can ensure that we can get a lot more done, and that's to elect Republican House members and senators. And this is going to be a very key race. And Senator Martha McSally of Arizona checking in with us. We are going to watch your race regularly. This is one of the most important races, if not the most important race in the country. And uh, uh, that ad, by the way, I I assume you put it up on your website. We'll link it to Hannity.com. I want people to watch it because it's important. The opioid epidemic is a disaster. Absolutely. And, and it's all the narratives from the left, as you know, that are a bunch of lies. Uh, it tells a little bit about my story and the people that we're fighting for every single day, Republicans in the Senate and the House with President Trump, uh, to provide more opportunities for them, uh, to get them the help that they need so that they can contribute to society. Uh, these conservative principles are all working. Uh, we also launched an ad on TV today. Uh, with my opponent attaching him to the crazy hard left, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, the, the squad. And he said he hasn't taken a position on anything in a year, uh, trying to pretend he's not a Democrat. But he said last week that he would have voted to convict and remove the president from office and the 2020 ballot. And we want to make sure that Arizona voters are aware of that. Uh, those extreme positions are so out of touch. Uh, he's going to pretend he's not a Democrat his first vote is for Chuck Schumer and their agenda, and we've got to stop that from happen, happening, and I'm honored to be ground zero to hold the line. When I look at Arizona and having been to the border, I don't know, I think I'm, I'm up to like 14 times now, and I've been on in yeah. helicopters and boats and all-terrain vehicles, even horseback, which, by the way, was embarrassing, but I did it, and I was there. While I've been to the drug warehouses. Uh, yep. When I was down there at the border, I witnessed with my own eyes— uh, somebody who turned out to be a gang member arrested. Uh, yeah. The drug warehouses are, you know, floor to ceiling, the biggest warehouse I've ever seen. I've seen tunnels dug from Mexico up through San Diego, but 
that's got to be one of the biggest issues facing the people of Arizona. Absolutely. We've had a state of emergency declared uh, by the city of Yuma. Uh, they've seen the influx of the drugs of uh, those coming illegally. And the open borders policy of the Democrats and the left is something that Arizonans don't want. Uh, we are the, the, the transit way uh, for all this negative and criminal activity uh, that's deeply impacting our communities. And look, we, we want to work with President Trump and, and have worked with him so we can reform and revamp our legal immigration system. But, you know, people got to come through the turnstile and uh, stop cheating and stop bypassing the rules. Uh, and the negative crime and the drugs that are coming through are killing people every single day. And we see that firsthand in our state. All right, uh, Martha McSally. Now, you're going to come on regularly, update us on what's going on in this race. And yes. I think it's going to be a very pivotal. Listen, this is a tipping point election. Yep. This is, you know, live free or America is going to be, you know, up a creek. Um, anyway, exactly. so we'll follow this race very closely. And uh, thanks so much. How do people get in touch with you if they want to talk about your campaign? Yeah, tell them. Please go to McSally for dot com. Uh, my opponent is funded by the liberals on the West Coast and the East Coast. He's had 20 million dollars he raised last year. Uh, Schumer knows that's their path to try and flip it, and we're not going to let that happen. So they can go to McSally4Senate.com and volunteer, contribute. Uh, we need all hands on deck to make sure we, we uh, prevail and keep the Senate majority. Thanks a lot, Sean. All right, Senator Martha McSally, Arizona, one of the top priority races now in the country. We'll follow closely. All right, as promised, uh, let me get to some phone calls here. I know many of you have been extraordinarily patient you want to weigh in on all these events that have been happening, and there are a lot of them. Uh, let's say hi to George in Florida. We'll be watching Florida closely in 265 days. How are you, George? Glad you called. Welcome to the Sean Hannity Show. Sean, it's nice to be on your show. Um, I was l listening to the uh, you know, the Kavanaugh uh, 2.0 impeachment scam last week, and I realized that that is basically a smokescreen for the Democrats who are just currently desperately trying to keep us, the voter, from seeing our president's long-term accomplishments. And one of the things that, that I saw him on talk with the Prime Minister of Israel on the uh, Middle East plan, and my, my mind raced back to the time that you interviewed Netanyahu, and he said that the problem with the American voter is that we think in four-year cycles. And and I, I thought that was very impactful for me. And I was wondering, wow, I wonder if our president, if Trump was listening to that, because all the things that he's done is for the long term. I mean, I'm basically semi-retired and really don't care about the jobs report, but but my children and my grandchildren would. And it's, you know, it's my job as a father to make sure that they know that. And so I was wondering if what's your think about that of the long term? That, uh, that you think that the president might have been li listening to that interview that you did with the prime minister of Israel? I think, the, well, first of all, Israel's never had a greater friend than President Donald Trump. Uh, I've always said that Prime Minister Netanyahu is a Churchillian figure. Uh, for a while, the lone voice of moral clarity on the world stage and has taken a lot of heat for it. I, I hope the people of Israel see through his witch hunt and elect him with the 61-seat magic number majority in the Knesset because, you know, these are just perilous times. Um, but to, you know, answer your question, I think that the presidency of— I don't think the presidency will ever be the same. I think what we're watching is historic. 
This is transformational. Um, you know, look, look at, for example, just social media and how that's transforming the presidency. Look at, you know, a president that bypasses the media. You know, I, I thought it was horribly tacky and frankly rude beyond description. But Joe Biden, you know, he decided to, I guess, FaceTime the after he left New Hampshire, knowing he was going to have a bad night, but just FaceTiming with the few remaining supporters in New Hampshire instead of sticking around and shaking their hands and thanking them. But to answer your question specifically, this, this is a very ugly, dangerous world. We lost 100 million human souls in the last century. If we don't stop evil when we have the opportunity to stop evil, it's a big mistake. Uh, economically, you all, you, we know all the numbers. We know what's at stake in 265 days. But a lot can happen between now and then. And I guarantee you the Democrats are planning, you know, the biggest smear, slander, besmirchment, character assassination campaign in history. So all hands on deck is my answer. Uh, does that answer your question? Yes, it does. And, and it said that problem, he called it a problem. So I know I looked at things that if you don't look at things in four year cycles, you look at it long term. They don't, nothing comes, per, it's not a per, about a person anymore. It's about someone's policies. And so, you know, his, 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 his policies on security is, again, not for, again, not for me, but for my grandchildren and your grandchildren and his children. I mean, you, you were talking, you know, you were talking to Linda last week about uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. And you're talking about George Bailey, President Trump is the ultimate George Bailey, because he didn't have to come down that escalator. He didn't have to, uh, he could have left Bedford Falls, but because he knew, he knew that left to the DMC and, 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 and to the, the uh, potters, that we would be taken advantage of predatory. And so he sacrificed his reputation and his things he's going through for our kids, your kids, my grandchildren, and, and you know, and, and you know what, uh, Sean, he doesn't need Clarence to tell him that. Uh, come, you know, the, the uh, Clarence, Clarence the angel. angel. Just, uh. He just needs us come out in November. He comes out in November, and we're coming out, and he's, he's going to know how much we support uh, him. And, but I got to tell you something. Would you want Donald Trump's job? Look at the life he gave up for this. Um, and I'm not, and he's, I'm not saying he's a martyr. He decided to do it. He can take it. He's tough. I've never seen anyone take as much incoming. I've never seen such a level of hate and psychosis, but we're better off because of it, because conservatism works. I had to listen. A lot of conservatives were trashing me and I can name names, but I choose to stay above it because I I affirmed for them. I'm telling you, this guy will govern as a conservative because I've known him longer than most other people that have covered him. But anyway, important times, George. Uh, we'll be watching Florida. All right, when we come back, the state of the uh, economy, we got both sides. Our old friend uh, Austin Goolsby. I, I have no idea. He, I mean, now he's reluctantly having to admit because we've shattered every economic record. Yeah, no, no, Donald Trump did great. But it was really Obama that got it. No, not really, no. He didn't start the energy boom. He didn't start. Remember, he said those manufacturing jobs are never coming back. Um, that, well, they're coming back. 
new trade deals, everything that the president's done, record low unemployment, best employment situation since 1969. Kathleen, another state we'll be watching in 265 days, the Buckeye State. We got Kathleen standing by, and Kathleen, glad you called. Welcome to the Sean Hannity Show. Hi, Sean. I listen to you every day. (laughs) Um, I just wanted to say that um, yesterday you were talking about how Sanders was um, bragging about how he doesn't take money from rich people like President Trump does. He gets it from the common people. $18 a piece is the average he takes, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, is this some kind of surprise? He always takes. Democrats always take from the poor. They say they'll help you up. Yeah. Unemployment is up. Welfare is up. Take, take, take. It's what they do. You know, imagine Bernie Sanders saying that we're going to lose jobs if you elect him president. Oh, and there's, we're going to put a cap on how much money you can make. Oh, and uh, we're going we're gonna to raise your taxes. And oh, we're going to get off oil and gas, which will destroy the world's economy. I mean, this, this is what's at stake here. Um, the only thing, yeah. it seems like the only thing they know how to do is lie to get you to vote for them. And then they turn around and forget all the promises. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, thank you for uh, a great call, Kathleen. We, we need you. No Republican has ever won, ever, the presidency without winning the great state of Ohio. Stay right here for our final news roundup and information overload. In the final hour of the Sean Hannity Show. So the economy's in, the fundamentals of the economy are in pretty good shape. Would you say that's correct? I would. And I did. And, and you did. Thank you for that testimony. So your colleague at the Atlanta Fed stated recently that economic, an economic expansion does not die of old age. I think that's a great quote. Given that the fundamentals of the economy are strong, do you think many businesses and investors are trying to talk themselves into a recession? I don't think so, and I certainly hope not. There's, there's no reason why the expansion can't continue. There's nothing about this expansion that is, um, that, uh, is unstable or unsustainable. Great. And I think the fundamentals are strong, but I think a lot of people are worried. And, and uh, you know, I, I hope that they don't talk themselves into a recession. I agree with you on that. Since my election, America has gained 7 million new jobs. The unemployment rate has hit the lowest rate in a half a century. The average unemployment rate under my administration is lower than any previous administration in the history of our country. You believe that one? That's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. The unemployment rate among African Americans, Hispanic Americans, and Asian Americans has reached record lows all time, never been lower than what it is now. And by the way, our poll numbers with African Americans, with Hispanic Americans, with Asian Americans, uh, the other side's getting a little nervous because they are like rocket ships. They're going up. African-American youth unemployment so important. It was a horrible number a few years ago. You remember, it was a really terrible thing was happening. It's just reached the lowest time in the history, lowest, the best number in the history of our country. And African-American poverty numbers have hit the lowest rate ever recorded. Wages for African-American workers have increased by per year, also a record. And you know this, for decades, the Democrat Party has betrayed African Americans. They betrayed us all. They betrayed all of us. 
But we're delivering for African Americans, we're delivering for Asian Americans and Hispanic Americans like nobody has ever done. We are fighting for great jobs, great schools, great health care, and a truly great future for our country and for them. We are the party of equal opportunity for all Americans. Thank you. All right, News Roundup Information Overload Hour. The president earlier this week is rally in New Hampshire. Uh, before that, the Fed chair, Jerome Powell, being very, very clear that uh, the U.S. economy is in a very good place, shrugging off concerns over a recession, even as it relates to the impact of the coronavirus. And uh, he was testifying to the House Financial Services Committee. He said he did not believe that markets are at risk of talking themselves into a recession, which I guess is bad news for people like, oh, millionaires like, oh, Bill Maher. That wouldn't mind. We're going now on nearly 8 million new jobs created, 8 million fewer Americans on food stamps. President laying out the best employment situation since 1969, record after record for every demographic uh, group in the country. Here to discuss and debate going to have a very hard time today. Our good friend Austin Goolsby, professor at Chicago's Booth School of Economics, former chairman of the Council of Economic Advisors for the disastrous economy of Barack Obama. And uh, David Bonson is with us. He's the author of Elizabeth Warren, How Our Presidency Would Destroy the Middle Class and the American Dream, and managing a partner, chief investment officer with the Banson Group, uh, welcome both of you. Uh, Austin, you know my numbers. I won't belabor the point, but you cannot deny these records one after another, month after month. The largest per dollar in terms of real dollar tax cut in history. The biggest deregulation period in history. Uh, now we're energy independent for the first time in 75 years and a net exporter of energy. And what I hear is a lot of talk among the Democratic candidates. Well, they want to take over entire industries like the energy sector. Then there's the new Green Deal, which could cost as much as, oh, 94 trillion over 10 years and Medicare for all, which is estimated at 52 trillion dollars in 10 years. And we only take in, what, four, four and a half uh, trillion uh, a year. So the numbers don't add up. Uh, why don't you just say it? The president has done a great job on the economy and deserves credit for the great record that he's created here. Well, Sean, as we've discussed many times, I have no problem giving a hats off to both President Obama and President Trump. And it's you who has the problem, acknowledging that in each of the statistics you quote, job creation, the progress on the unemployment rate, the progress on energy production in the United States, and on down the line, more than two-thirds of this boom's progress occurred before Donald Trump was you ever see, in office. You see, David, if you look at David, creation, Obama added 14 million jobs and added more than a million greater in his last three years than Donald Trump has added in his first three. Now, you know, hats off to yeah, let, me, let me go to David. To David, I want to bring you going. into this. Because Austin, I go back and forth. Eight years, Biden, Obama. 13 million more Americans on food stamps. 
8 million more in poverty, the lowest labor participation rate since the 70s. And it was Donald Trump that went with the Keystone uh, XL pipeline, the Coda pipeline, opened Anwar and natural gas that made us energy independent for the first time in 75 years. That wasn't Biden and Obama. That was Donald Trump. What say you? Well, I admire Austin's loyalty, and, and, and I appreciate the creativity to come up with the necessary data points to help feed that narrative. And, there's not, and it's not completely, totally fictitious, but what he's obviously ignoring is that the jobs he's talking about that were created in the Obama administration were the recovery of the lost jobs in the recession. The net new job growth, getting that labor participation force rate back higher is all taken place in the last couple of years after everyone had said that the recovery had already run its course. And so I think when you look to the wage growth, to a meaningful move higher in the actual averages of GDP growth, which, by the way, would be even higher if it weren't for the, the impact from the trade war last year, but also that, that dying business investment that lasted for the entire two terms of the Obama administration. That never did pick back up, even when the jobs data got better uh, naturally after the, the recession recovery. So, so I, I don't think that anybody is looking to make the data look worse than it was in the Obama years or better than it is now. But and this isn't a political statement. As an economist and financier, this very objective that there is a whole new dimension to the pro-growth and pro-productivity aspect that we're seeing now. And I would think Austin and you and I can all agree that's a good thing that wages are growing over 3% a year, not 1% a year. Austin? Yeah, look, I agree with that. Um, that that uh, All right, check, checkmate, David. The show's over. 2016, and the GDP growth, the... the Manufacturing, I believe that Dave is right, that the negatives have been coming from the trade war that President Trump created. Hopefully we can get off of that. But manufacturing is not doing well. The wider economy is doing quite well, but manufacturing, by several measures, is already in recession. If this coronavirus stuff were to spread... How do we define a recession? Isn't it two consecutive? Isn't a recession defined as two consecutive quarters of uh, negative GDP? Can we stick with the definition at least here, David? Yes, that that is. His point is that his point though is that manufacturing is out of contraction. But what I don't think Austin remembered to bring up is that the ISM manufacturing number in our first month now after the phase one China trade deal went back into positive territory. It is not contracting. But the it was jobs contracted after, again. But, but hold on, Austin. Hold on, Austin. The manufacturing data did contract for five months in the peak of the trade war tensions. But the manufacturing, the industrial production, CapEx, and non-residential fixed investment had been spiking in 2017 and in, tw- in, er- in the first two uh, quarters of 2018 in response to deregulation and the corporate tax cuts. So I do believe it's fair to give President Trump credit for that. And the trade war issue is what it is. But now that we're in the phase one China trade deal, I think we have to be honest and admit that the numbers are picking up. 
I preface by saying I think Dave is right that a big component of that downturn in manufacturing was trade war, and hopefully we're getting off of the trade war because I think it was it was a backfire thing to do. It wasn't smart. Uh, but if you look at the latest jobs numbers, manufacturing jobs are negative still. So I think we should be, just be a little more circumspect about the, what's the condition of all parts of the economy. There are parts, anything having to do with the consumer and having to do with the job market are quite strong. And I I have never said that we should not give credit to President Trump. I have always said, Sean, that we should have hats off to both of them together, Obama I love and how Trump you take credit for Donald Trump's economy. The longest boom in U.S. history. Two-thirds of that boom was under Obama. Oh, my God. One-third has been under Trump, and they both deserve credit. Excuse me. The but lowest— The, the, problem, the oh. problem with viewing it that way, though, Sean, is that— there is historical comparisons that are really important for us to do. How do economies normally behave coming off of recessions, including very severe ones? And the, re- the, re- the reality is, and I'm, I'm saying this as apolitical as I possibly can, the reality is it was the weakest recovery from a recession in the entire post-war era. And I believe the reason for that was that we had a complete collapse of business investment, even when the consumer did what the consumer always is going to do, start spending money and buying things again. Even when the jobs numbers inevitably got somewhat better than from recessionary levels, the fact of the matter is that the GDP growth stayed mired just barely above one and a half percent when normally not correct no no that statement was only true the statement that that you have just said about the weakest recovery was only true for the three years following the recession in the three years following the recession, because it was a financial crisis, there was slow growth, as there always is following major financial crises. But in the period after that, if you look at the total gain to GDP, it is not true that it was worse than previous recoveries. And in fact, the Bush recession and recovery after that uh, recession was slower than, than under Obama. So it is. All right. I got to take a break. Now, I happen to know Austin Goolsby for a long time, and in person, he's a wonderful guy. His, his, he's, he loses his mind on a lot of the economic issues, but I still like him. Uh, now, I have met Austin's family, and is uh, how many years now you've been married, Austin? 21. Did you order flowers? 22. Because let's be honest. I mean, you got yeah, the better no, part of the you're deal. Gonna, you're gonna get, you, no, no, no. You, you, you got the, the biggest violation this was the no. biggest violation of our code ever. Why? I know where you're going. No. Well, it's Valentine's Day. Did you order your flowers yet, yes or no? Because she's a no, saint. No, I have not. All right. I, I'm, I am going to help you. 1-800-Flowers.com. Today only. It's two days away, Austin. We don't have a lot of time in this segment. Uh, we're going to hold over for just a couple of minutes, then we'll get to your calls, 800-941-SEAN, our number, David Bonson and uh, Austin Goolsby, because let me tell you something. If, if, if we ever go down this path, Medicare for all, $52 trillion. I, I mean, th- these are staggering numbers. We don't take in that amount of money that they want to spend in 10 years. 
getting rid of the lifeblood of our economy, oil and gas. And no, it was not Obama. Anwar opened because of Trump. The Keystone XL pipeline because of Trump. Uh, the D- D- Dakota pipeline because of Trump. Uh, gas, yeah, because of Trump. And now as a result, we are energy independent for the first time in 75 years. The idea that we would get rid of the lifeblood of our economy, the world's economy, would guarantee the single biggest decline ever in history in terms of our economy. It will be an unmitigated disaster, uh, a magnitude that I don't think anybody could even predict. Uh, All right, we got to take a break. Uh, Don't forget Hannity tonight. Full coverage of this implosion of the Democratic Party. Uh, Great lineup tonight. News you won't get from the mob. That I'll promise. 9 Eastern, set your DVR, Hannity, Fox News, quick break, more of them on the other side. Uh, One more segment, and then we'll get to your calls next. Straight ahead. All right, final uh, two minutes here on the program, our debate going on. Austin Goolsby and uh, David Bonson is with us, author of Elizabeth Warren, How Our Presidency Would Destroy the Middle Class and uh, the American Dream. Can you imagine, David, no oil and gas? No internal combustion engine. It's the lifeblood of our economy. But every Democratic candidate su- supports some part of this madness. How dumb is that? Well, and it's one thing where, back to the, the subject we were discussing with Austin before, I would give Obama credit that he at least allowed for fracking on private land so that he could have some job growth during his administration. I go through all the numbers in my book and lay out that the positive job growth that we did have in the Obama years was all from either the direct or indirect implications of America's energy renaissance. And for Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders and others to be running on a platform that they would undermine that puts them far to the left of the Obama-Biden years, and it's something I'm very critical of them for. But, Sean, you said something very important. You said, can I imagine if they were to get away with that, if they were to get rid of the oil and gas? And the truth is, is that guys like you and me could not imagine it. We're not the ones that have to actually pay attention to our heating All right, bill. Great point. Bill. All right. Last word, Austin. I'm sure you want to get rid of oil and gas. I'm sure you don't want us to be energy independent anymore. Right, Austin? No, that, that's not my jam. You know, as, as you know, my my parents are, are out in West Texas. And I think there is a lot of clean energy that could be great for the economy. But that I don't go so far as to say let's ban let's ban fracking because I think it would it would have a negative economic impact. I the only thing I wonder about the economy is whether the 2020 election is going to end up being about the economy or is it going to be like the 2018 midterm where the economic conditions were strong but other issues like health care and stuff like that ended up becoming the dominant factors. I think that it's worth us thinking about that. All right, Austin Goolsby, two days to go. Uh, if I have to step in again, I will. i got to get off this phone, and i got to right. call them right now. <laughs> Thank you, David. Thank you. 800-941-SEAN. All right, let's get back to our uh, busy telephones. New York, well, we won't be paying probably as much attention to in 265 days. Maybe some of the congressional races for sure. Uh, Scott, standing by. Scott, how are you? Glad you called, and uh, welcome aboard. Hey, thanks, Sean. I had a question for you. Yes, sir. I seem somewhat um, in disbelief that Joe Biden could even qualify to run for office. I don't understand that. 
I mean, the, the man self-professes uh, bribery and extortion. So can you shed a little light on that? And then how does the populace get a candidate like that removed? You know, it's I mean, funny because please. with all this Ukrainian nonsense and yeah, yeah, Joe Biden, there's no credible person ever. And and the mob and the media, basically state run DNC propaganda, Pravda for crying out loud. Uh, and they just, you know, protect everything radical, extreme, democratic, socialist. You know, in spite of all of that, I think the American people saw Joe Biden on tape bragging. You're not getting the billion unless you fire the prosecutor investigating my zero experience son paid millions. I think they figured it out. And I think that the biggest Ukrainian loser was Joe Biden. And, you know, add to that. I mean, you, you can't even make this up. The nutty things that he says. Yeah, I, I, I can't even believe to this second what he did to this young girl. And that's only the latest. You know, you're a lion, dog faced pony soldier. So how do you explain the performance in Iowa? And why should the voters believe that you can win the national election? It's a good question. Number one, I was a Democratic caucus. You have been to a caucus? No, you haven't. You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. You said you were, but you're, you're, now you got to be honest. I'm going to be honest with you. It was a little bit confusing in Iowa. I was a Democratic. So, Sean, I got to jump in here. You're going to say, wait a minute. Linda's going to say, I was a Democratic caucus. So everybody's missing that you're joking around with this, and they all think you're being serious when you say I was. They don't realize that we know, audience members, we know it's Iowa is a Democratic caucus. We got it. We understand. Sean's being funny. So please stop calling Katie and telling her. We know. Thank you. Okay. The other thing is, is that people don't understand when I go, Joe, 30330. It's funny. Hello. Uh, but the worst part is, I mean, he's just mean, you know, and, and telling the putting his hands on a guy and then call. Remember, he called the other guy uh, fat. And then they deny that. And and he screwed up Joe 30330 again. I mean, there's all I, I can't believe he left. So we can chip in and support those who listen to this. Chip in and support our campaign. Text Joe. Two, three. Two, three. Excuse me, I got to get this right. You better Joe, get it. Right. Two, three, oh, three, three, oh. Oh, oh I remembered. I, I remembered. I finally remembered. I can't believe it. And Biden now, more gaffes after last night. How do you just, you know, oh, let me FaceTime with a few people in New Hampshire that worked their butts off for me, and uh, I'm leaving because I'm getting to get killed here. Uh, let me go on to the next state, uh, you know, tripped himself up then saying, well, that although Iowa and Nevada have spoken, no, that would be Iowa, New Hampshire. Uh, excuse Thank me. you. It is important that Iowa and Nevada have spoken. But look, we need to hear from Nevada and South Carolina and Super Tuesday states and beyond. And folks, you know, all those Democrats who won uh, against incumbents uh, from Jimmy Carter to a guy named Clinton, the guy named Obama, my good friend, guess what? They had overwhelming African-American support. Without it, nobody's ever won. No, really. Uh, Obama was not an incumbent in 2008. And all those Democrats that won against incumbents, Carter, to a guy named Clinton, and a guy named Obama, 
yeah, no, you got that wrong again. Uh, everything will change once black and brown voters have their chance to vote. Uh, he didn't even bother showing up in New Hampshire. I mean, it was a disaster, a fifth place disastrous finish. And, you know, introduced by his wife, takes the mic and makes some friendly jokes, reminding the audience that despite his performances in the first two, well, one caucus, one primary state, he still had the highest confidence in Latino and African-American voters to put some wind in his sails. And I, I don't even know what to say anymore. I just don't. But it's over. He just I, maybe it's beginning to sink in, but it's over. Uh, anyway, Scott, thank you. But, you know, yeah, they cover for you to go back to the original point of your call. Uh, all right. North Carolina, another important swing state in 265 days. Michelle is standing by. Hey, Michelle, how are you? And we're glad you called. Jennifer and Michelle, we are all the, born in the 70s. <laughs> and now there's no Jennies and no Michelles that are little kids. I have no yeah. idea what you're saying. How Hi, Michelle. It's Sean Hannity. How are you? Hey, I'm so great. Thank you so much for taking my call. I had two things I wanted to say. Can I ask you a question? You know you were just on the air talking to somebody else when we put you on the air. Who are you talking to? I was talking to my friends. I'm actually running a Generation Joshua Club here in Cary, North Carolina, and we're having the kids from 13 to 19 run a mock UN um, so that they can see what's happening because we're trying to get, you know, we're trying to get Christian kids involved into the political system and to know what's going on and to be the future leaders um, here in North Carolina and around our country, because I think we desperately need it. So sorry, those were moms that were introducing me to other people. I'm so sorry. No, listen, you know what the most important job in the world is? What you're doing, being a mom. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I just wanted to say, after the debacle in Iowa, I feel like what we need to do is we need to go back to paper ballots and probably putting our thumbprint on them with that ink that lasts for a week so that we can't go, we can't have people going in early voting from precinct to precinct to precinct to vote. Um, that's, that's my idea. The only thing we'll have to be concerned about is Nancy Pelosi ripping them up. Well, look, I got to tell you something. Uh, she could rip up anything she wants. Frankly, that only helped <laughs> Donald Trump, Petty Pelosi. Right. But, you know, I've got to believe that results matter. I got to believe that you don't get rewarded for doing nothing except hating a, a president that was duly elected the way they have, because there are no mm -hmm. accomplishments. Anyway, it's true. Yeah. And, and I do. I do feel like one of the greatest things that Donald Trump has done is I, I, I'm telling people, get out and vote because he is doing his best to undo the decades of corruption in Washington. But it's up to us in our communities to choose true grassroots conservatives to be our sheriffs and our city councilmen and our school board members and our representatives, because that's the thing that affects us on a daily basis, the people that are leading us in our communities. And we have got to get out and vote these Democratic Socialists out of office. Let me tell you, this is a we're we're on the brink here. It's an all hands on deck moment. I totally, completely agree with you. I hope and we put up on Hannity dot com an interactive information map. What does that mean? You can go find out when you need to register by. You can find out when early voting starts, if you have early voting in your state. You can find out when your absentee ballots need to be postmarked, uh, stuff like that. 
Anyway, we put it up on Hannity.com. Who's running in your particular congressional district, wherever you live? So um, we're just working on all of that. But I will tell you, we, uh, we have an opportunity. The American people, I think, have been insulted. I think that the establishment, I think the swamp, the sewer, as you were describing here, this is what cleaning it up looks like. It's ugly. It's ugly, and there is a, a ferociousness within that within that swamp to remain in the swamp to to keep their cover not be exposed and donald trump more than any one single figure in my political life has uh single-handedly exposed a lot of these people for who they are and you know we get these little indications you know about how they feel about us don lemon's show uh, you mean them people that look at them and their na- maps and Ukraine and lattes and really? And, you know, smelly Trump supporting Walmart shoppers and irredeemable deplorables. And we cling to God, our Constitution, our Bibles, our religion. They you see they think they're smarter than us. They think they know better than we do. I think, Michelle, you and your friends know better than they do. That's what I'm hoping for. Thank you. I hope so, too. And I say this, you know, if you look at any swamp, um, there is a scum on the top of it, and the scum needs to be sucked off first, probably, before it's drained. And I think we are seeing, we saw with this impeachment, and we saw that everything that happened with the scam, Mueller investigations and the Russia investigation, the Ukrainian investigation, all of this, they truly not only believe that they're smarter than the rest of us, they truly believe that they are completely above the law that it does not apply to them. And that's when I say not only has the executive branch, the legislative branch been completely run amok for these decades, but the judicial branch has become a weapon against taxpaying, law-abiding, constitution-loving, family-honoring, God-believing Americans. And it's time for us to demand that they get the punishment that they deserve. We better, ha- we better hold the people that broke laws accountable. We better we we've got to see these investigations through. And that's even now Joe and Hunter and that's Hillary and the email server and the obstruction and the bleach pit and then the dirty dossier, then the FISA premeditated fraud on the FISA court and spying on a campaign, a transition team and president and outsourcing spying. We better get to the bottom of it all because it all happened. And if we don't, then equal justice under the law equal application of our laws, our Constitution, which is the foundation for all of our laws, you know, we're, we're, we're pretty much shredded. And then you, then we have a, a dual justice system. That scares me. Michelle, my best to your friends, and uh, we wish you every great success in life and your families and everything else. we got a lot going on here in 265 Big shout days. out to all the Jennies and Michelles. Big shout out to all the Jennies and Michelles. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah. You said that on air? I said it on air because it was hysterical what she said. Hysterical. Oh, my gosh. Let's have a glass of wine. We'll talk about it. We'll have some coffee. Let's go for coffee. And maybe after we'll have we'll have a, a glass of rosé. We'll have a little talk. A little wine. We'll talk. We'll catch up. The gossip. You know, there's that line in Suds in the Bucket. You know, the biddies at the beauty shop gossip going nonstop. It cracks me up. By the way, guy, guys are worse. The oh, barbershop. Guys are way worse. I go to this barbershop. All we do is we just sit there and talk. You know what? We just we just let it we let it fly. It's entertaining. It's all get up. Lots of bullshit. Bullshit. Yes. Total shift show. Shift happens. It's just that type of world we live in. 
All right, listen, we are loaded up tonight, Hannity, 9 Eastern on the Fox News Channel. We have all of the post, well, New Hampshire disaster for the Democrats, what it means, where it's going. 264 days as of tomorrow till you get to shock the world again. See you tonight. Back here tomorrow. Thanks for being with us. 